welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where we want you to find hope and encouragement from real people sharing their real stories. So here we go with your weekly dose of real talk, girl chat, and good vibes. Hey friends, today we're going to hear from Chris Brogdon. Chris is the next-gen and missions pastor at Southside Church in Athens, Georgia. He is also a husband and a father of three, as well as a friend and mentor to many, including myself. Listen in as Chris shares with us about the next gen and what all that entails, his passion for it, as well as some tips for parents to connect with their kids, and so much more. Here we go. Hey Chris, thank you so much for being here with us today. So to jump right in, can you tell us a little bit about you, your family, your job? Uh, Yes. Um, my name is Chris Brogdon. I'm the next-gen pastor at Southside Church. My wife, name's Holly. I have three kids, Noah, Grace, and Emma. They are 16, 12, and 8. So next-gen mm-hmm. is the name of the ministry that you are in charge of. That's correct. So can you tell us a little bit about what next-gen entails? Yeah, so the next-gen ministry, it, it, it stemmed from something about from about five years ago. Basically, my role is, is to carry the vision down from the senior pastor mm-hmm. um, and to make sure that that's being followed through through all the kids in areas. Sometimes some people call it family pastors, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's just more of a, another name okay. when you're working with the next um, generation. But most family pastors are more geared towards birth to all the way up to in the 30s to, to, to include millennials within that group to where ours is a very, very narrow focus from, from birth all the way just to high school. So that is our general focus when we say the next gen. That That's where we, that's where we kind of really, really target that. And just, just because of the, just because one of the cultural shifts that are happening so early um, on in their lives, it takes more because each child um, is at a different phase in their life. So each way you teach each individual grade is totally different. Um, so it takes a little bit more hands on, on deck and a little bit more uh, structure, but there are um, different organizations um, that allow us to to go and learn about the next-gen organization um, as, as a whole. And it's almost kind of like a family of next-gen pastors. I've been able to meet a lot of uh, people from other churches and other things um, that help us be better at what we do to be able to reach the next generation. The cultural shifts, parent engagement, volunteer recruitment, and all these different things because you, you just can't put anybody working around kids and all those kind of different things, but it takes a certain person to, to, to have the heart to want to love kids to do that. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about why did you want to work with NextGen? Um, NextGen Pastor, my role here um, at Southside is working with uh, kids from uh, birth to high school age. And it all started for me way back when I was about 18. And uh, I knew that Lord, you know, had a call in my life to work with kids and students. And uh, through that time, you know, been in and out of previous churches and everything. And before I came on staff at Southside, I was in law enforcement for 16 years and retired from there uh, to come on staff here. But during my time there, um, it finally got to the point to where I was locking up a lot of the young young people. And I said, and sometimes multiple times, and um, I said, something's got to change, right. you know, within that. Something has, has got to give. So how can I reach them before they get to the age of really acting out and committing crimes and doing these things. Um, so during my time there, I spent some time as a school resource officer, spent seven years 
uh, working in the schools and spent 16 years working within the school district each year um, through different programs and systems okay. and things that they had mm-hmm. to do that. And uh, just throughout the time, just working through churches and everything. And then the Lord called me here to Southside and I left and, and here I am. Tell us a little bit about what is the hardest part for you working with the next gen, whether that be in the church or just like you were saying, like, you know, you were locking young kids up. What's the what's the hardest part about that? The most challenging part for you? Uh, you know, it, it, it was funny when I when all the officers and friends of mine, they knew I was working at the school and when they knew I was there, they were like, how in the world do you put up with those kids every single day? <laughs> it, it would drive me crazy. And I said, to be honest, kids are going to be kids. I said, it's usually the adults that yeah. end up driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that was that was kind of the thing because I had the heart, you know, because my heart has always been for students and to be a protector um, of kids and all that just because of my passion for them because they are innocent. Um, they don't, you know, most kids don't have a voice. Um, and I wanted to be a voice for the voiceless mm-hmm. and to be able to, to be able to give back. But not only that, during that time, um, to do so, especially in law enforcement side of it, it was, um, I worked in predominantly African-American neighborhoods mm-hmm. and for them to see a, a, a white officer take time to shoot basketball, right. to jog, you know, to, to play tag, to uh, play kickball with them. I mean, those relationships that I built early on actually helped me as I, as I, you know, progressed through the, um, the police department into robbery homicide to where, um, I was actually working cases, some um, uh, of kids that I grew up and mentored and developed right. and tried to invest in. I was working some of their homicides, and, wow. and, I, and I've worked with kids who, who, um, who, who I've seen um, uh, murdered, all the way to kids, some that I invested in, all the way to Harvard, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so when then that piece, I, I believe, you know, the Lord, you know, for me, He really... Um, set that stage for me for what he had called me to uh, here at Southside, which is leading um, the next uh, generation and just helping them succeed emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally as well. So for me, the most challenging part is is you hear a lot of things um, as far as as a culture. Culture has, has really changed um, from the time that I've you know I've been involved in youth ministry for over twenty years. Um, this is pre-electronic devices. This is pre-iPhone <laughs> and everything. So, you know, the, the way we do church, the way we do student ministry and things, it is a something that we are really trying to evaluate um, because I, I feel like we've lost touch with that because we, we try to stay with our old systems. And I, I think our old systems um, are, are kind of failing to a degree. And one thing we can't we can't compete with right now is the the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first generation of, of kids being raised who do not need their parents anymore right. uh, to ask them questions. So so what they do is you have a powerful device in your hand that you can type in anything at any time, and and Google will give you you know eight million responses yeah. in point three nine seconds. Yeah. And and regardless if it's truth or not, whatever truth is for you um, or, or biblical truth or wherever you stand with that, you, you're getting this this information and. That is what they're believing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for us, you know, in, in the church, it, it's, it's no longer, um, hey, this is kind of what the Bible says. These are these things because kids are, are having more questions. Kids are mm-hmm. having uh, more things to deal with. 
And um, so some of the frustration through that is, is just a technology piece and letting them know that one, that we care and, and that right. we want to make an investment into your life. But, but if you look at the statistics, um, you know, you look at the sex rate is down. Mm-hmm. Alcoholism is down, but depression is up. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is up. Suicide mm-hmm. is up. Um, I, I usually, you know, on, on average counsel, you know, three to four students uh, a month. And I'm talking about as early as fourth grade up into through high school age of, of students who are depressed, who have, have made comments that they want to take their life. And, um, you know, trying to battle through that. And, and obviously there's school activities and, and there's other different things. Obviously Wednesday is not sacred anymore like it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when, I, when I was growing up where nobody touched that day because it was sacred. But now, you know, with travel ball and all those things. But mm-hmm. I, we, we can't use that as an excuse either. I think we just have to change our tactics um, of how we reach into them. And it's, and it's not about maybe getting them inside the church to what we're doing, but going out and being the church in the community and, and being a footprint there. And then through that relational um, aspect of it, of building relationships, not only with them, but with their parents, that we can kind of bridge that gap and, and maybe stop some of the frustration and trying to bang in our head. Because I think we're bringing ha- our head on tradition mm-hmm. and, and not on trying to be relevant in, in what right. is going. It's almost like taking... Um, I heard it said one time, you adapt to them, but take the gospel with you. And so it's meeting them where they're at, but bringing Jesus with us and then presenting it that way for sure. Yeah. I like you answered a question that I was just going to ask, like, how do we go about that, especially as parents? Um, And you just basically answered it. Well, well, I think it's deeper. I think it's really deeper than that on on the parent side Mm -hmm. of things. You know, one, it has to be a partnership because we don't have all the answers. The average parent has over 3,000 hours a year to spend with their kids and the church roughly if you if you equate because that the average uh church attendee is one to two times a month so you and, and same thing goes with the kids so if you break that down you're we're only looking at maybe maybe 30 hours maybe 40 we'll, we'll be gracious and say 40 hours even if it was 52 if they if the child came 52 then then the 3,000 is going obviously trump 52 right. and i think a lot of times it from what we're seeing and, and just conversation with our parents, some parents just don't know mm-hmm. um, what to do because they're not really on the inside of what's going on with technology. Yes. Um, and, you know, you know, we want to provide resources to help parents, um, biblical resources that, that help them try to win at home and try to um, lead and, and, and lead their family well at home. But when you have a generation of, of kids that, that are addicted to their smartphones. A lot of that's based off their parents that are addicted right. to their smartphones. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, when the relational value is not met at home, then it, it, it's hard for the church to really come along beside that. As much as ground as we try to, to tread to, to build that together, is getting people to see the importance of, of us working together. And it's just not the church's job to do it, and it's just not the parents' job. Right. It's a combined effort. We both need each other in order for us to survive yeah. um, and, and to reach this next generation to do that. So I would say that would be really the kind of a starting point with, with okay. parents is to is to trust us, trust, trust the church. Mm-hmm. Whatever church it is you're a part of, get in there and know the student pastor. Bring your kids in there. One of the things we always hear a lot of times, well, my kid's not going to know anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you they're not going to know anybody if they stay outside right. the door. You know, and we always say, hey, give us three shots. You can't make a really 
informed decision, you know, on one time. Give us give us three chances to connect with you, build a relationship. You'll see some people you know, and usually we see after about the third time, they usually end up staying with us, and um, so that's really good. On the opposite side of that, of what's the hardest, most challenging part, what has been the greatest joy that you, you've experienced working with the next gen, or what's been the the greatest blessing you've gotten from working with the next gen. Oh, you just when you when you see the light bulb go off mm-hmm. in a kid. I mean, when you um, when you make an investment. Um, one of, one of the hardest things about next gen ministry and working in next gen ministry is you only have them so many years, and and sometimes you don't see the fruit of your labor that you do that, um, or see the fruit from them doing. But I was one of those uh, people who. Um, my youth workers never saw the fruit of their labor mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't until I was older until I had to make some, uh, I had one of those come to Jesus moments in my own personal life. And, and and the good thing was that I was able to go back to those youth workers and tell them, you know, thank you for not giving up on me. Yeah. Thank you for showing up every week um, in my life. You know, sometimes these kids are just walking through a door just looking for somebody just to, to show up every week. Sometimes the only consistent thing that they see every week is when they come to church because, mm-hmm. you know, we really strive to put the same adults around them. Why? Because they build relationships because we know that relationships will lead to something deeper. And um, it, it's just not about the person on the stage. The person on the stage job is just to set up the small groups, and that's which, what we run here where a lot of our uh, students are around leaders, but we keep it small. Mm-hmm. We do that because so we can foster relationships to, to that. So when we see that, when, when we do that, the fruit of that is, is kids being invested into. We see kids who are, who are able to um, have a voice where they feel like they don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. They're able to, to share some, some intimate thoughts, some, some personal strains, some, some struggles. Um, and we're able to come along, not, not, only beside them but their parents so when you connect the two back together there's healing that can take place within Mm -hmm. that and one of the things we teach here is we don't do babysitting we don't we don't do those kind of things what we do is is when we serve the next gen is we're allowing the parents to be able to come in um, and drop their kid off one in a safe environment the one where they're going to hear the gospel message Regardless of the instability or whatever's happening in the home, we're allowing them the freedom to go to the to, to our sanctuary, to our worship center, and to be able to hear the gospel where they can be impacted. And we know that they can have an encounter with Jesus Christ and they can have a have a connection. We know that not only will it not change their own lives in that, but it changes the trajectory of the family and that child's life forever. So when we do that, we, we encourage our leaders to pray. Pray for the kids. And pray for the family because studies have shown if, if the male ever, ever has that beginning walk with Jesus, the family will follow. Right. It's, it's very, stats are very high and, and it shows us that. So, you know, those are the wins for us. It's, it's, it's the dirt in the trenches and, and next gen ministry is messy. Why? Because people are messy. And, and I believe it takes a certain group of people to be able to work with kids and students, especially when they're coming up to you and, and talking about they're harming themselves or, yeah. or having these certain thoughts and all that. And most people would, would panic. But, you know, next-gen workers are like the, the Delta Force, uh, you know, the special operations unit of, of the next-gen ministry, just because of the battles and stuff, they have to do it. But the thing is, they walk through the battles with, with them. So the students are not alone. 
where a lot of times they feel isolated. Mm-hmm. That's what the phone has done. It has yeah. isolated everybody, which has caused the anxiety, which caused the depression. The conversations like this between the face-to-face, it's hard for them to have those conversations. So the wins for us is when we're able to get them to speak. Right. The wins for us is when we're able to connect them with the parents. But the, the main win for us is when we're able to connect them with Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that you said that about, you know, it's messy. Because I know people have said to me and Corey, like, oh, we think about getting involved with the next gen. And I'm right. like, buckle up. That's right. Because even, Wear your boots. Yeah. It gets deep. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. <laughs> even me, I'm only 24, so I'm six right. to eight years out from the high schoolers that I work with. And so much stuff has changed. I'm like, we didn't have these problems in high school, or at least I didn't know about them. Like, none of my friends were dealing with this or whatever. Right. Just so much, to, like you said, the anxiety and the depression, it's out of control. So. Yeah, um, Tim Elmore, he, um, he, I heard him on the podcast talking. He really invests into this generation. He said the anxiety levels of today's kids, if today's kids were back in the 1950s, they would be in mental institutions mm-hmm. just based off of that. And here we are, we have all these kids that are running around right. with that same that same mentality. So, and we see and we see it here on Sunday morning. We see it in the church. So, just think of how many who are not in church right. who who are doing it as well. So, I think the church in, in general, we have to change our approach and how we do that. Again, yeah. like I said earlier, we have to get outside the four walls of the building and actually yeah. be the church. Right. You know, I feel like we're more the church outside of the walls here than we are inside the mm-hmm. church when we're when we're out in the community yeah. doing that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, coming off of that, why is the next generation so important to the church or to Christianity as a whole? Because I know a lot of times kids can be looked down on because they're young. I know that I felt that, you know, that, oh, you're just here, like, for your parents to be able to go to church, kind of like the babysitting thing. Being a member of Southside, I do feel that our, at our church it is bigger than that. Right. Um, that we actually want to pour into them and send them on their way, especially in the high school ministry, like they're about to go out in the real world. So why, tell us why the next gen is so important to the church. Well, you, if you look at if you look at colleges now, you look at you know it even it's even hitting them in high school and junior high, but the liberalism and just different thoughts of uh, you know um, if go find yourself and then figure it you go figure it out and then come back and tell us what it is and, and right. doing it. There are absolute truths you know that are out there. So for the next generation and I believe for the church to survive eventually one of those one of them will be sitting in my seat one day having the same conversation with somebody you know doing the same thing that I'm doing but you we they have to be taught they have to be they have to be shown Jesus Christ and the reason why it's important because if if we have a generation that doesn't do it then what happens to the church if we're not fulfilling the Great Commission, if we're not sharing the gospel, if we're not helping equip parents to do these things, and we say, well, we're just going to kind of let you try to figure out, you eventually get to a point where nobody knows anything anymore about the gospel. Right. I mean, we I still run into people in Jackson County, Georgia, in 2019 that have never heard the name of Jesus. And and, and we're in the Bible Belt. And, right. I'm, and I'm thinking, how, how is that? How is that possible? How is that possible? Mm-hmm. But it happens. Yeah. I've seen them come through here, and they've never heard. Nobody's ever told them. It is that important because if we don't, we'll have, if, if we have a generation that don't know, they have not a way to, to be able to carry on mm-hmm. the, the, the sacred truths that, that we hold dear um, you know, to the Bible. Those truths will not be carried on if we're not funneling that down 
to the next generation, to our kids, to my kids, to you know, to everybody else's kids that are on this campus. We want to show them Jesus. Now, our job is, is not to give them Jesus. Our job is to show it. It's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal himself right. to them. But our job is to put them into place to, mm-hmm. so that they can do it. We, our job is to get them to the feet of the cross and then let the Lord do what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is our job. So, so shame on us if we don't do that. Right. But it's also informative parents of why it's important mm-hmm. that we do that. So, you know, we really try to, you know, it, it's not just a, a next-gen thing for us at Southside. We, what we do is strategic from the from birth all the way to adults mm-hmm. and, 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 and how we strategically put things in place to empower the parent so the parent can learn because we know as soon as they have that encounter, we again, when they, when they learn, when they're growing in their faith, that's going to translate down to the younger generation and that's what we're wanting to see we're mm-hmm. wanting to to move that piece down because if we're not teaching the adults then, then their kids are not going to get it right. and then we will have a generation of kids so it's just not what we do in the next gen this is just one phase of it but it's a whole mm-hmm. thing that we encompass from birth to to senior adult here within Southside. So we try to be real strategic in what we do into doing that. You know, one of their ways is through small groups. So we do small groups all the way through, to, you know, from, from very early, from kindergarten all the way up. So we're real strategic about doing that mm-hmm. because we know the importance and the power of relationship for sure. As far as being a parent and resources that you would give them, um, not just in the church, but just outside, like some good books for our listeners that are like, you know what, or just a website or something. We're looking right. at a stack of books that Chris has on his desk. Yeah. But just something to um, give some guidance. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Tony Evans, he has Kingdom Kids. He does Kingdom Boys, Kingdom Girls. Um, I believe that's what the name of it is. It's down there. Um, there's some about uh, marching off the map. Uh, Tim Tim Elmore. I, I referred to him earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, aspire students to navigate a brand new world, um, and and that's good. We have uh, parenting beyond your capacity by uh, Reggie Joyner and Carrie Newhoff are really good resources. Okay. Uh, for parents to kind of just to kind of look at and do but one of the things that, that, that we do you know we we have um, you know on our student page we have resources for for high school students that they can and parents that they can go to and kind of deal on any kind of topic and 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 whatever it is they're probably facing or doing we do it we have a Facebook group page where our parents can go on and I post articles you know weekly okay. um, two to three times a week sometimes just to give that again to help them win at home to let them know that the church is here we, we want to help you but, but we got you got to help us by giving us some ways that we can help because we're not in your home but it's some, for some parents we see it's embarrassing for them because they're thinking hey I got parents and here I got a 13 year old and I should already know how to do right. this mm-hmm. but I think we can all get into the room and say hey you know it's <laughs> we don't know what we're really doing yeah, and you know one of the illustrations I like to to give parents is um, I, I like having the, there's a jar of marbles I have and you can see mm-hmm. over here and the biggest one has 936 in it um, so there's 936 weeks between the time a child is born mm-hmm. until one graduates and Every, every week, a marble comes out. So it's kind of a great visual that we like to use um, to show parents, regardless of what you're doing, a marble's going to come out. So eventually you start getting down, and all of a sudden you get ninth grade, you only got so many marbles. Mm-hmm. You get down to a senior, you only got 52 weeks. So what you do every week matters in the life of a child, and that's what we want. That's what those marbles represent is, is, a, is a week. And, you know, we just did a message on that, and I, and I did a message, and, 
and I gave out marbles to everybody because without what what I wanted them to do was carry it around in their pocket and for whenever they hit it, you know, they ask themselves the question is what they're doing at that very moment, building up the kingdom of God or building their own kingdom up or investing in their family. So that so what I wanted to do is I wanted it to cause pause in, in, a, in, a, in a dad's life to where, you know, he might be on the golf course, want to go do whatever, or, which those things are not bad or go hunt. None of that stuff's bad because I like to do it myself. But if I'm putting it in front of the place of my family, it doesn't matter what's going on during the week. That marble's coming out, and if you only get so many marbles, yeah, right. I know kids make you feel like you're losing your marbles, <laughs> right? But but you really are. You're losing your marbles, and 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 it's you know it's one of those things. Like again, a, a visual um, that I've been busted on by my own wife. You know, she's called me. What are you doing? I'm up here working. Well, can you see your marbles? Yes. Shut my computer, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm gone. <laughs> Because we can, we, mm-hmm. all those things are great, yes. and all those things are good. Yes. But my job would be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There's, there's another golf game. Right. I'll, I'll get another deer from the deer stand. I'll catch another a fish from the lake. Right. Those, those things are do it. But but now I find enjoyment in taking my kids in that and, and mm-hmm. wanting them to be a part, find activities that we can do together. So it's just it's just restructuring. You don't have to quit doing life mm-hmm. to, to be at home but take your kids in there because they want to be part of your life and that they're going to learn from your example as well too so you said that you've been in student ministry for over 20 years yes and you now have is grace a teenager yet or no she's about to be she's about to be don't she's rush about. it <laughs> i'm just gonna don't, remember don't, don't, more no, yeah. <laughs> don't rush it emma you know how emma she's Sassy. Oh, she's so sassy, but she, I love her. She's sassy. <laughs> we don't we don't need her in here right now. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a podcast interview with Emma. Yes, you'll learn a lot. Yeah, you'll learn a lot. I can <laughs> promise you. I bet. Yeah. So, being the parent of a teenager, mm-hmm. Noah and Grace, about to be a teenager, right? What have you taken from youth ministry and put into your parenting? As far as encouraging them to have a relationship with Jesus, what can you like? What kind of advice could you give to parents um, that you've taken from youth ministry? Yeah, for sure. One thing you learn really, really quick is everybody's got their own personality. Everybody has their own learning style. So I had to figure out what each one of my, my kids' learning styles was. Mm-hmm. And and you know, certain kids are some some are verbal, some are visual, some are you know, hands-on and, and, and knowing their love language, what speaks to them and, and when's the right time to have conversations and, and to do all those things. And once you learn that, it's, that's kind of like your roadmap and of how you can do things. Um, but for us, being part of the church was something that we've always, so we've always served, okay? And I've never told my kids they had to serve. They serve because they want to, because because all of them but Emma, you know, have a sitting. Emma's on that bubble of, of, of thinking she wants to get baptized but we're still working through some things she's very close mm-hmm. um but but my other two they, it's just they they see we modeled it mm-hmm. yeah. we, we've modeled it in our home i don't want to force my kid to do anything because mm-hmm. when you when you when you force kids or when you say well you're going to do what you, when you do that and that again not knocking people who do that but just from what i've seen whenever you force a kid to do something is they're going to end up presenting it in the end. Right. And then eventually they're going to push you away when they get a chance to, to do that. And there are times that obviously as parents that we have to do what's best for our kids mm-hmm. and we got to have conversations. But, you know, it's one of the things is I learned when I used to discipline, you know, my kids, never do anything out of anger. Uh, and take times to think because there's a teaching moment within that. So what, what, am I, what am I trying to teach my kids? 
at the end of it. You know, if you spank, then great. If you don't, then that's up to you. You decide. Whatever, whatever form of punishment it is, I want to teach them a lesson. It ain't about mm-hmm. the punishment. It's about the lesson that's going to be right. learned. Once you teach them that, then that's good. But each kid's different, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just those different times. You know when to have conversations. You know if your child's a morning person or not a morning <laughs> person. You know some. You can tell when somebody needs to eat because yeah. they're and you give them a sandwich and then all of a sudden they're all talking. Yeah. So um, so know your kid. Mm-hmm. You can't know them if your head's in the phone. Right. You can't know them if you're always gone. Yeah. You know, and it's know your kid, figure it out. And have a relationship with them because they want one with you. Yeah, they want one with you, yeah. and as much as they try to say they don't, they do mm-hmm. because it's easy for them to turn to that. But it's hard when you, when you do that. Th- those are the things that help you not only with your kids but with the kids that you're leading. And it's hard because you can push your family to the side for the kids that you're ministering to as well. So, you know, you never want to get in the position. And it's easy as Mm -hmm. pastors to invest so much in the people that you forget your own family to do that. So, again, the marble helps out with that in my pocket Mm -hmm. to to kind of help me stay grounded in that. And my wife keeps me grounded, too. Yeah. So, um, so that's good. But I would say that that's the main thing is is, is know your kids and, and, and do those things. But you know, I, I bring my kids to these things. They want to come to youth events. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to come and do that. And you know, I, I don't, I just, I just don't like the whole forcing. Long, yeah. long as you live under my house, that I've seen too many kids go south, right. and 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 they turn the other way once they did that. Again, some of them they don't have. Some of them you got to help lead, honestly. Mm-hmm. But again, that's no. You know, my son, you got to kind of prod a little bit. Yeah. But this is what I know about my son. Once he gets started doing it, he'll love it. Mm-hmm. Anything that's anything for him in life, that's how he is. Once he gets to do it, he'll love it. Right. And that's always been true. But I know that because of my relationship with him. Right. So I know how far I could I could I can carry that you know as a parent. But it's also having the conversation with him. Mm-hmm. You know, having that having that dinner time conversation is key. Again, no electronics and, and stuff on the table mm-hmm. you know it's just engaging conversation asking people how their day was and and what they did and just engage and, and find out something different about them in their right. life that helps you with both worlds in ministry but more so a lot so in parenting yeah I like that you said that that you you and Holly have modeled it and that was big and I think both of our households mm-hmm. if our parents were my dad would get up back when I was a kid and Dana's dad too and five o'clock in the morning go to prayer breakfast with a bunch of you know 40 year old men and I would be tagging right along because I saw my dad do that and that was important to him and I wanted that relationship with him so I think that's important too if you're if you're serving your kids are going to want to serve they're going to want to even if like you said especially high schoolers can act I don't want a relationship with them my parents are so annoying whatever but they really do crave that relationship to have somebody there to to answer the tough questions or to just you know teach them so. That's right. That's right. Just just lead the way, and that, that's and that's what we found with the power of the small group is to do that. Put them in serving environments. You know, statistics tell us seventy to eighty percent of kids leave the church after high school, and but out of the ones they did, they talked to, they said, "Well, why did you say the ones who did stay?" They asked them. They said because they got plugged in serving. So we try to create servant opportunities right. and um, for students out in the community to mm-hmm. to go out and be the church. And, and through that, God just does himself because at the end of the day, you, you don't want kids to do something 
um, because they have to. You yeah. want to do it because they want to. Yeah. And and that's what we want. That's, that's what Christianity is. It's not mm-hmm. a it's not a list of I, I have to do this. I have to do that. Right. No, I want to do this because of what what Christ has done in me. Exactly. And and I I want to be an example. I want to go out and serve, not because I have to, but I want to because mm-hmm. I want other people's I want the light bulb to go off and, and yeah. then to get the understanding of who Jesus really is. So I I got to model that. I got to live that, and I got to walk that in every facet of my life. I'm not always going to get it right, but and we're always not going to get it right as parents. And, and, and guess what? It, it's you're going to fail as a parent. Mm-hmm. That that's going to happen. Your your kids are going to fail. So you know that sometimes I think we our, our kids are so much under pressure. When I talk, I, I, just, I had a meeting this past week with a teacher who said kids are so much under uh, academic pressure, sports pressure, all these different things, and church is not even a. a we don't have time for church anymore, right. you know. So, 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 what do you value in as important in, in your household? You have to do that because at the end of the day, um, our, our children's um, pastor Amy McClure, she said, "I'd rather focus more of our kids getting into heaven than Harvard," yeah. you know. And I was like, "That's that's yeah. good." I mean, because we rather we rather have that, but, but some people rather have their kids go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I want to know my kids going to heaven. Right. I want to know my kids a follower of Jesus right. Christ. Everything else is he's following with him. I'm I'm fine. Right. Whatever else happens, as long as I know that they're following Christ, right. I, it it doesn't yeah. matter. And that that should be our focus is that, and, and not the other things. All those are, have no eternal value, mm-hmm. and um, we we have to do things to have eternal value for the yeah. betterment of our family and our next generation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Eternity is so much more important than the right now. It is, or you know, the couple years in the future where your kid is going to end up and. And it's hard, and, and it's a balance. It's, it's not wrong to go and do these things, right? But there's a balance. There's got to be an importance factor of like, hey, we might do this on Sunday, and this might be just a season of our life we do that. But man, we're gonna get up and do a devotional mm-hmm. this morning. You know, we're gonna get up and we're gonna do this as a family. You know, just to, just to know that, hey, this is a structure that we're gonna put into place, and there, there's some there's some things that we want to do, some truths that we want to instill in you as kids because. It's, it's tough to be a kid nowadays. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 44 and I, I'm nowhere near being a kid's age, but it was hard for us. So, and, and look at, we didn't have as many distractions no. as they do now. And you're mm-hmm. a lot younger. You're, you're 20 years younger than me. And, and you're, and you said earlier, yeah. you're seeing, you're like, oh my gosh, we, we never had any distractions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we're looking at it now thinking, you know, I would say this is one of the hardest generations so far to to, to reach that mm-hmm. a lot of churches are, are really trying to put their, their, their finger on and, and doing it. But I think it's going to be done outside the walls of the church and not inside. Yeah. You know, if, if that happens, then I want to patent and, and <laughs> can I write a book about yeah. that? Because I, I, I firmly believe that because the, the mission's outside of the walls of the right. church. Yes. So that's what we're called to do anyway. So I'm fine, mm-hmm. with, so I'm fine with going outside the walls and doing yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. For sure. What are some ways that we can get involved in serving the next generation? As parents? Anybody. Just as anybody. listeners, as like Hannah's you age know, who doesn't have children you yet. Know, uh, you know, again, we have, you know, if, if you're involved in the church, go, go talk to your, your student pastor. I'm going to tell you, you, and your kid's pastor. The, I don't say that. I don't say that those, their jobs are the hardest because, because I oversee that. I do it because I know the work that goes involved in that. Right. And, and, I, and I've done that as a student pastor and, 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 and working with, with our staff here um, every day, it is, it, it is the one of the hardest jobs to, to do, I, I believe, 
wholeheartedly. So, what a what a youth pastor, what a what a kids pastor, what a director needs is they need support. They need to know that what they're doing matters because there's some weeks you think mm-hmm. you're just you're just spinning your wheels, yeah. you know, and, and not making a difference. And, and and they are so you know whenever we get emails I try to share them with them to encourage them because you're making a difference even when you don't see it mm-hmm. you are making a difference because you're invested in the life of a child but volunteer go volunteer somewhere get involved and do that because your kids are going to watch you you know here at Southside we say sit one serve one we want you to sit in the message but we also want you to serve why that shows your kids you know that that serving is important and it, it's just it's leading by example mm-hmm. it's not just giving lip service it's showing yeah. it's showing your son you're showing your daughter and sometimes it's showing the whole family that right. that you mean uh, what you're going to do and, and and usually if it's the male then then the family's going to follow mm-hmm. you know but there's a lot of strong women out there too we got a lot of we got a lot of single women here and i'm telling you they I do the guys a lot of times, yeah. you know, and some of our best troopers and workers and spiritual leaders um, are, 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 are that are leading the charge come from women, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to sit on the sideline and not want to play in the game after you, you're practicing and doing all these things. That don't sound like fun to me. Right. And, and if you're making that investment, then I want to play the game. Mm-hmm. So get in there, get in there and get involved. Figure out what you can do and make an investment. So you said that about next-gen pastors or student pastors feel like they're just spinning sometimes. And I know as a small group leader, even I felt like that a few weeks. I'm like, are they even getting it? Are they even you <laughs> right. know, understanding? So what, right. what would you say to other pastors or small group leaders or people involved in next-gen ministry to remind them that they're not alone in, in feeling like that? I know we say about Southside because I work at Southside, but all churches should be looked at as as just co-workers, just set up in different places. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're not alone, everybody's feeling the pinch. Everybody feels the crunch of volunteers. Every everybody you know feels the pinch of Monday morning because Sunday's coming. Mm-hmm. But we're not called to see the difference. We're called to be the difference. Right. And and we're, when we're the difference. Christ one gets all the glory mm-hmm. for that. We're just called to, to trust and obey Him, follow Him, and what He does. And sometimes we're going to see the harvest, and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're planting, sometimes we're watering. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it all works together. It all works together. And but I, I know God, He gives little glimpses of, of, of His hand, and He shows us at different times how He moves. And and and, and when we're at our, our weakest or our lowest point, that's when He's at, at His strongest mm-hmm. um, in our lives, and He's leading and guiding us. And and sometimes he gives you that big, you know, holy hug, you know, and just and just reminds you. He, he'll do something to remind you. He'll have a kid come and say something to you. He'll have somebody send you an email. He'll have somebody stop you in your hallway and, 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 and give you an encouraging word. Accept that word because God might have sent that person just, just to give you that bit of encouragement to lift you up. I know it's happened to me a lot of times, a lot of times, because I, I know as pastors and as ministers, when you deal with people, it's messy. It was messy when I was in law enforcement. It's messy when you get in church. And, and, and it gets messy, and, and there are days that you want to quit. And there's friends of mine that I know that are no longer in ministry because it just took a toll on them and took a toll on their marriage, and, and it's rough. But you got to have mental days too. Mm-hmm. You you got to take time off and and, and get away. Um, but also know it's not bad to struggle. Right. You know, um, I love what Pastor Jeff uh, says. Everybody needs a a pastor, a coach, and a counselor. 
You know, we all need those things. We need people that we can talk to. We might need a counselor to go to. We need somebody to coach us who's gone ahead before us. So I love that he says that because he means that. And um, it's good to have those outlets that you never hold it in. If there's something you need to get out, find somebody that's not at your church, I would say. Um, but just get get somebody that you can put in your life that can speak into mm-hmm. you, that can, that can call you junk out. Have people that can call you out. Um, and, and hold you accountable when they see something in your life that you don't see. Mm-hmm. Give them the freedom to speak into you. But also you have to listen. Slow your ego down just a little bit just to listen to see what they have to say because usually if you get offensive, it's because they're telling the truth. Right. Last question. Yes. And it's something totally off topic. Oh, I like it. I like, all, I like all topic questions. What is? This what is, are something in your life right now that you are loving? It can be a book, it could be a movie, or it could be vacation, vacation or... something with your family, anything? You know, one thing, um, one of probably the best books um, that I read when I work uh, with with um, people, when I mentor them, is, uh, is uh, Spiritual Leadership. It's probably one of the best books that, that we do on, on that. Um, but, you know, it's just... I'm just I'm just in love with the mission of God right now. Just this mission, just you know, I'm I also and the mission guy here at Southside as well. So you know, I've had some really great conversations within the past week. People who are want to go into Iraq, people who have been to Asia and seen the underground church, um, people who are doing missions. We got a team now in Guatemala. I'm doing that. We're talking about planning a trip to Guatemala, mm-hmm. and I mean just just the impact. And, and but in, the impact that we're doing around here went and um, helped I serve um, this morning over there at the Pendergrass uh, flea market. I took I took my daughter and one of another yeah. pastors their daughter really this cool. morning, and um, and we just had opportunity to to love on people and. And just be the church, and that those are the rewarding things because you can get behind the desk and, and get busy with the paperwork and and all the systems and the processes. But again, but the ministry's outside the doors, and it's, and it's in the halls on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it's more outside. So I really encourage my staff not to be at church. Um, do what you got to do, but get out and go do ministry, and um, that's what we're called to do. So yeah, yeah. I'm in love with the yeah. mission right now. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any new exciting episodes.